The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2022 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. Dear Father, we thank you for wonderful love of today. Now we thank you for the New Year's Conference. Now we thank you for all the friends and family and all the opportunities and the space you put us in. We pray that you break distraction. God, we pray that you teach every last one of us. And God, I pray that we leave this time understand where leadership is and who you call us to be. And we pray. Amen. 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 I got something special for y'all. We got something special for y'all, man. I got three people that's coming to the stage, y'all, man. This is a stage that's legit, y'all. And like, like I know y'all came, we tricked, y'all. We put me on the flyer, you know, man. Y'all all got tricked. Y'all need an upgrade, like times three, you know, man. So you go to rent prize and you, you get the little, the little um, um, mini coupe, you know. Y'all even with like the SUV premiums, y'all, man. Like, like, like you show up to that and they, they upgrade you at the counter. So, hey, man, thank the staff, man, for getting y'all here. Because y'all just won, okay? You know what I mean? So, you paid $200. This right here is a value of $300, y'all. So, um, but I'm going to share some of my own story. And then I'm just going to connect the dots to um, what we're doing. All right, y'all, man? Um, so, I got, I had a little cute little PowerPoint, you know, so you have to gotta rock and read by myself, alright? Alright, so Tony Dennis. So um I think last year I did a man group talk. You man group talk? You heard all my talks, you know, so you just get a repeat, a refreshing who I am, y'all man. Um grew up in St. Louis. I grew up in the hood, y'all. Like like the hood of hoods. And I there's times I came home that our lights was off and our gas was off. Like like that was, that was just like a normal thing growing up in St. Louis. Um my mother actually, when she had me, was a drug addict. All my cousins were drug dealers. And my grandma was alcoholic, and my uncle was alcoholic. Like, y'all see on the movies, um, all the TV shows, like, the, the alcohol would get beat up in the alley, that, that was my uncle. Sometimes my cousins would get beat up in the alley. But it's like, that was my family. Like, I grew up in, like, the hood of the hood. I had a picture on this um, PowerPoint that shows my elementary school. My elementary school is today, is a abandoned building. Like, it's a big old event building, y'all, man. Um, like, it, it's, it's where the crack is and the bunk, like, where they, they go to because it's just an open space. It's a band building, okay? In fifth grade, or fourth grade, fourth grade, uh, my school uh, wasn't even accredited. So, but in St. Louis, you only can go to the schools that's in your zone. In your zone, it was just the schools in your neighborhood. So, in my neighborhood, there wasn't even accredited elementary school, you know? However, the federal government of St. Louis Missouri created a program called the Desegregation Program. You know, it's pretty creative, man. Well, they shipped out little hood kids out to church. And then I got blessed with that, y'all. Like, I'm just so crazy because I went from a school that wasn't accredited. And then they shipped me out an hour bus ride. I was, anybody from St. Louis? Anybody from St. Louis? Yeah. You know, man, anybody? I mean, you go to the dude. I mean, it is the best school in St. Louis, man. They shipped me out to the dude. You know, so I went from like the hood. Well, all black people, like, it was like fifth grade. How old was fifth grade, man? Ten. Like, I've never seen a white person at this point in life, other than TV, y'all, man. Like, like Boys Beat World was like my show of like Kendrick and, uh, and uh, Full House. That was like my, my white friends, y'all. Like, no um, But in fifth grade, they shipped me out to the birds. And, dude, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. 
like these big old houses and like everybody like like they going to school for real to take it serious. And and I got there, y'all. I was so far behind, like education wise, they put me in special ed class, right? Like 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 it was like special ed, like 2.0. It wasn't even like like the regular intro level one. Like like no joke, no joke, like um because I was so far behind. Like my reading level was like I didn't know how to read. I was making a zero, man. You know, man. Like, I was guessing at the words. I wasn't even trying. You know, um, like, my math was good, the real math. You know, the, the corner store in the middle of it. I mean, I count my pennies in the middle of it. So, but it was like, man, from an educational standpoint, I was so far behind. Um, but in my mind, it's like, hey, I was in Burris, where rich people stay, where, where it's like big old houses. Like, I don't even know why these houses are so big because of that. It's about 20 of us living in this little two-family flat. Like, it was crazy, um, just the, my paradigm shift. I get out there, and actually, I mean, I was only expecting it for like a couple of years, y'all. They, they do the whole time, you know what I'm saying? Just a couple years, you know. <laughs> I get out there, graduate high school, and football track is my thing, Like, So I go off to school, and I actually go off to college. Then I realized, dang, bro, for the last, like, from fifth grade to fourth grade, I'm telling you, like, Dude, I just got the best education. I'm the smartest dude from college. Now. Like literally, it's completely shook. I was copying off people all my life, and then people trying to copy off tests. I'm like, bro, we don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't share grades. We don't share anybody. Like, it was a switch that went off my brain. Like, man, there's people living in the world that like they never get to experience our experience. Like, the program changed my life. So I get to college, campus hours do change my life. Just like all the other man. He texts me, he called me, he showed to the cafe, he knocked on my own door, he asked me in town with me over and over. I mean, half of me was like, hey, yeah, that's you right now to me. He's like, y'all all know the story, you know? Um, invited to the weekly meeting, the Bible studies, and all of this stuff. And do, um, was one of the nice students that was my white, white dude, you know, whatever. Like, but I went to a white middle school, high school, so I was cool with white people out there. You know what I mean? I understood. I understood, like, what, what white people do, you know, around that time. Um, and he, he loved on me, y'all. And he just started preaching the goodness uh, of Jesus over and over and over and over. I mean, literally, he only had one diagram. <laughs> like, it was the bridge diagram. Now, raise your hand, somebody share the bridge diagram with y'all, man. You know, like, hey, it's, it's not just all we used to. That's why we sure have y'all there. So he just shared, like, the same diagram. And the third time, it actually made sense. <laughs> like, it was pretty like, I guess he knew what he was doing. So, um, and, and my relationship with God changed. 17 years ago at Lewis College. And I entered a relationship with God. And it wasn't that like, hey, I just, uh, like, I started reading my Bible like the world. Like, uh, I started talking about Jesus, like, to everybody and mama. But, man, my, my paradigm shift. Like, I understood, like, man, there's places where I grew up at, man, that because now that I'm a believer and I reflect Jesus, man, I'm supposed to do something about it. Like, there's, there's people in the world that are suffering. And, and man, God has changed my life and something you knew about. And like as I start Googling things and all that, you know, look at the world today, like man, look at sex trade trafficking. Man, somebody, all of us in this room is supposed to do something about it. Why? Man, if you embody Jesus Christ in you, if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, man, you're an agent of change. It's like, man, follow this household. We're supposed to do something about it. Like, like little orphans, like, like we're supposed to do something about it. Um, like it, it literally changed like how I thought about the world. I literally went to college. I picked my major, uh, accounting, because I was like, hey, I ain't really good with words. You know, like I can read a little bit now, but I ain't really good with words for real. 
But numbers, I'm a beast at. And once I get things in categories, like game changer. So I picked the county because I was like, hey, that makes sense to me. But hey, I'm gonna have a lot of money, and I need to make sure nobody steal my money. Like that was my main reason picking county. It was all about me, 100 about me. I was like, county get paid good, but when I get money, I need to know how to keep my money and do overtime. Like man, my my parents started shit that I became a, a believer and matured in my faith. Like man, I want to make the world better. I don't want to just have a lot of money. I want to make the world better. And man, we got a panel for y'all of people that embody that, y'all. We got three people who literally, um, some of the, the positions and titles we all desire in this room, they got it. You know, like the, the, the family dynamics, that they got it. Like, um, there's the people that, man, we would desire to be uh, one day, but they're going to get up here and share their stories. And they're going to tell you about, man, how they got there, what they're doing now, and then their dreams and ambitions to make the world better later on. So uh, I want y'all to welcome to the stage, y'all, uh, man. Y'all ain't even around the floor. Y'all ain't walk. Y'all get some seats up here. And we're going to introduce the crew. Yeah. I'm not going to uh, steal their thunder. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm going to put this in front of y'all. I'm going to share my face on Ashley just in case the court doesn't reach. So, um, so, um, quick and simple. Let's just going to take this man. The name, the job titles, and just a little bit about yourself, and then I'll give a more questions. Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Scrubs, and um, I grew up up north in South Bend, Indiana. It used to be known as the region, but we got too big for the region, so whatever. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I currently reside here in the city. Um, I was on staff with Kings Outreach for about six years, and then transitioned into higher education because I love college students. I did that for about six years, and now I work at a credit union, um, which formerly known as Eli Lilly Federal Credit Union. Um, Eli Lilly is a pharmaceutical company here, and I'm an assistant vice president at um, Elements. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Adrian Dunson. I'm the chief engineer for Civil Aerospace North America for Rolls Royce. So we don't do cars, we just do airplane engines. Uh, yeah, quite a few of you probably flown on, on our jets. Uh, let's see, I'm from Indianapolis. I went to Rolls Holman, got a mechanical engineering degree there, went to grad school at University of Michigan. Uh, learned a lot, worked at Ford there. Uh, learned a lot about leadership, and we'll probably get into that during the questions part. Maybe the only other notable thing is we actually lived in England for two years. I took an international assignment with my wife and my daughter. Learned a ton uh, about that. Strengthened my faith. I've always grown up as a Christian. Uh, but you go from a transition of doing things out of statutes because people tell you to, you want to do it, to live a good Christian life and to lead people. So, in a nutshell, that's me. Hello, my name is Chris Coons, and let me start by saying I am the least impressive or accomplished of the panel. We don't make plane engines. <laughs> Ashley didn't share that about what she actually does and what she's done. Um, but I, I grew up about 20 minutes from here, uh, born and raised in Indianapolis, went to college at IUPUI, uh, became a Christian leader through campus outreach, and worked on, camp, on staff with campus outreach for nine years. Uh, once. At, or one year at the University of Southern Indiana in Evansville, and then uh, moved to Ohio to help start Campus Outreach Columbus at Bowling Green State University. I was there for eight years and we moved back. 
uh, just two years ago. So while I was in Ohio, I got married uh, to my wife, Olivia, and we have three kids now. Um, but moved back to Indianapolis a couple years ago, and I work for a freight brokerage. So we ship uh, airplane engines. <laughs> um, so we, I work for a freight brokerage, also known as a third party logistics company. Uh, so anything that you can think of that goes on the back of a big rig truck, um, we ship those things all across the country. And I work specifically on a team uh, that this last year was the most profitable team in our company. Um, but we do a lot of grocery store uh, deliveries. So we, we contract and hire out grocery store delivery guys to put food on the shelves of Kroger's and at Whole Foods markets and um, Meyer, stuff like that. So that's kind of what I've been doing for the last couple of years as an account manager there. And uh, we'll get back to Tony and we'll just ask some questions. Yeah. And they're modest too, like, they're modest, y'all. Like, Ashley, like, run like two other businesses and things like that. I mean, like, this this legit crew right here. Um, can y'all just, um, this is Curveball, but tell us more about the salvation um, side of it. Like, when you come to the Lord and, and just tell us about that. Like, and then we'll ask the leadership question. Um, yeah, so I, um, my dad was a pastor of a church, and he actually did a lot of community involvement. He did gang reconciliation, so when there was conflicts within gangs, he would go and reconcile that. And so he did that um, all of my childhood, and then um, he was unfaithful to my mom. She was pregnant with my youngest brother. I have three brothers. Um, and he has been an absent father since then, and he'll kind of come in and out. He'll call us um, unknown call every four to six years. So. Um, my, my view of Christianity was, um, okay, I know there's spiritual things that happen, so I need to just be good. That's my goal, is I don't want my mother to be in pain, so I need to follow that path of, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to do everything my dad didn't do, um, and I'm going to follow this road of perfection. And I did really good at it, <laughs> until I did it. And um, that came when I went to college, and so many different opportunities, temptations came my way, and um, I started ruining friendships. I realized I'm not a very loyal person. I'm not a very honest person. Um, and a lot of my background, I didn't want other people to know, and so I kind of created this false life and lived in that until people saw it. Um, and so my sophomore year of college, God, Shed, shed a lot of light in my heart. Um, I became a Christian and I was a RA, resident assistant, at a conference and um, I met a girl who was a part of Campus Outreach and I have become a Christian since then, but she really connected me and helped me think a little different about the little things, the daily lordship decisions, um, the daily ways that I could walk with Jesus. And so, um, my walk with God just deepened. And I was like, this is amazing. I need to tell everybody I know about this God that I learned and I saw it in my context. Because I was like, I'm in college, I wanna have fun. I don't wanna be bound, I don't wanna be bored. I wanna be fun, I wanna have fun. So I was able to have a visual of what it looked like in my context to walk with Jesus. Um, and so that, that is how I came to know the Lord. Um, at the top, you know, a little around college. Uh, yeah, I, I grew up Catholic. Uh, I was blessed with two parents 
about Christians. It's a little bit different path, but still fundamental nonetheless. Um, you know, in that process, you go through a thing called confirmation, which is more of an academic, you know, exercise where you really reconcile within yourself. You can believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Uh, so I would say that that was the main part for me. But uh, as I went through college, uh, I, <laughs> I, this is the Lord working in my life. I actually attended an apostolic church, which is completely different from the Catholic <laughs> But I needed that. I needed that structure and that fire and brimstone sort of thing to keep me straight because there's so many temptations in college. I, I don't think I would have made it without that in my life. And I know you guys probably struggle with that as well, but maybe the other thing I'll mention is, um, you know, I went from this belief that I had to earn my way to heaven, you know, by being good and doing good things. And then, you know, we joined the church where that was dismantled. And it was, I'm saved because I believe Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I should try to behave properly because I'm saved. And, and to me, that was a major shift in my life. And once I got to that point, a door started opening up for me, and my testimony became more powerful. I grew up going to church uh, as well, and took it a similar route of uh, moralism, and just kind of felt like I, I need to be a good person because God said I should be. Um, and also, I, I knew there were things in life that I wanted. I wanted love, I wanted security, I wanted peace. And I kind of figured early on in my life that I'm smart enough and I can work hard enough to get everything that I want on my own. So I spent most of my life doing that, is uh, working hard to find love and secure love with uh, a girlfriend or uh, friends and family and things like that. I want peace, so I'll, I'll create it on my own and not care too much about anything that goes on in my life so that uh, when disappointing things happen, I'm not that disappointed. Um, and for a long time, it was going great. And I realized multiple times throughout high school and early on in college that despite all of my hard work, I never could live up to my own standard, much less God's standard. And despite how hard I had worked, I always felt this yearning, this emptiness, that there had to be something more. There was a disconnect between the things I desired and uh, what I was experiencing that didn't quite bridge the gap. Um, but for some reason, the idea that Jesus could help me with that was not a thought until uh, a guy with Campus Outreach shared the gospel with me. I heard this gospel about a Jesus who offered all these things so freely to anyone who would come to him. Um, and I kind of thought, I've been doing that my whole life, so this can't be right. Uh, <clears throat> but it just started to connect me in a, in a new and a fresh way. Uh, and I remember somebody sharing Ezekiel 36, 26, where God says, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you, or remove from your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. And that's when I thought turned off for me in a big way, is perhaps the reason I feel this disconnect is because my heart is stone. Uh, it's hard. It doesn't really love God and want God. It wants what I want. It wants me uh, to be the Lord of my life. But he said that he can make me new. Uh, and I remember praying a kind of funny accusatory prayer towards God saying, 
I don't know why you screwed up in the beginning and gave me a hard heart. <laughs> but will you give me any more? <laughs> and uh, nothing radical happened in that moment, but I remember in the days and weeks following that, I would find myself praying and feeling like someone was listening for the first time. Sorry, being with you guys kind of brings us back a little bit different. Um, I remember reading things in the Bible and it was a lie for the first time. And uh, when that was the case, I knew this is when I wanted to get my life to. Um, and I was, sorry, the math is hard, 15 years ago. So 15 years ago, uh, just pursuing that and wanting to know that and making sure that I'm diligent to tell the world around me about that God who offers everything I could have ever asked so freely uh, and at great expense to himself. Um, me and my wife say this all the time. Uh, it's free to me, but it's, it costs somebody something. And whether that's with, you know, she was at Meyer the other day and somebody gave her a free Christmas wreath. And we were like, oh wow, we got that for free. And she reminded me, it was free to me, but it cost somebody something. This gift of Jesus was free to me, but it cost him something. Amen. That's good. Um, I mean, we got CEOs, vice presidents, um, chief engineers uh, up there. Uh, and it's easy to think, like, hey, like, y'all just got there. Like, it was easy. Like, y'all just showed up and gave y'all the gig. Like, tell us some horrorships. Like, tell me, like, the journey. Like, remind us it ain't going to be easy. Like, um, you're studying the finals. Y'all think it's hard right now, but it's going to be harder. Like, but tell us how y'all pressed through the perseverance and some of those stories. Yes. Uh, so, I, we were talking about this earlier. I always felt like I loved working on campus outreach. I would still do it today <laughs> to some degree. Um, and I always felt like when I was going to leave campus outreach, it was going to be because God called me to something new. Whether he was going to call me to something else in ministry or he was going to call me to a different job, I, I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, but about three years ago, my wife and I felt called to a place. We felt called to this city. Uh, we love this city. We just wanted to be here. My wife is biracial, my kids are biracial. Um, and we wanted to be in a place where we could raise our family in a multi ethnic atmosphere. And this was the place that we felt like God was drawing us to. Uh, so, in the middle of the pandemic, summer of 2020, we packed up our family and we moved in with my parents. And I didn't have a job, I didn't really have any prospects, but in faith, just showed up here and said, we're going to figure it out. And uh, I felt like my resume was pretty good. I mean, I had been leading and building uh, something from scratch for eight years. I graduated in a class of a little over 400. I graduated third in my class. IEPY is a school of 30,000 students. My senior year, I was selected to be one of the top 100 students. It was something you applied for. And, um, I felt like, man, I've got some stuff. I can show up and interview for a job and get a job. I could not get a job. <laughs> I can't tell you how many first interviews I had that I thought went great, and the interviewer was like, well, you will be hearing back from us. And I did not hear that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So I got a job that I could get. It, basically, I didn't even have to interview for it. It's a this job is a high turnover job. We just turn them and burn them. I've seen you know 50, 60 people show up. They're there for three months and they leave. We don't hear about it. Um, so it's that kind of job where it's like if you got a pulse, you got a job. <laughs> That's the job. I um, but God gave me a ton of favor. I can tell you about six or seven different instances throughout my time uh, working for Fitzmark, which is where I work now, where something happened that I wasn't planning for, I didn't know was going to happen, I felt uncomfortable with, but I did it anyway, and it turned out incredible for me. So I tell you, I'm working on this team, this is the most profitable team in the company. I didn't plan for that. I actually didn't want to do that, but I felt like God was leading that way and things have just fallen into place in a way that I'm doing things that I'm really good at. I'm still uncomfortable a lot, which I think is a good thing, but I'm doing things I'm good at and I'm on a team that values me for that. Um, and I'm really, really thankful for that. But I believe it's because by faith, we were just, my wife and I were just taking the next step. We didn't know where it was gonna lead us. We didn't know what it was gonna look like, but um, we believed that he was in control of what was happening and we could trust him to provide for us each step of the way. Yeah, I can add to that that it's been a tough journey for me, if I'm honest. Just being an engineer is so very difficult. Uh, in college, it seemed like everybody else was having a great old time and, <laughs> you know, putting on physics and pretty much equations. And just the academic struggle I went through was massive. And then you go to grad school, it's the same thing. You go to a big company like Ford, and you have to figure out how to differentiate yourself. Um, one of the things I did do is I hooked up with extremely ambitious people, you know, that really wanted to make something of their lives. We became friends, and we would go to lunch in the cafeteria and debate like we hated each other, but we became best friends, and they pushed me. Uh, that was one reason I went to grad school, did that hub. Uh, came back here, moved here, uh, aerospace, tough industry, it's always up and down. Uh, I think probably the hardest thing I had to do was make that decision to move to England for two years. That's a big risk. Uh, I consulted my pastor, friends and stuff. It turned out great. Uh, got lots of international exposure. I set up an engineering center in Singapore. Uh, so I went there a lot. Uh, in most countries to be honest with you in the world. <laughs> this is our, our industry, we have to travel a lot and meet with operators. But the point was, when I got back to the States, uh, in my mind, I was supposed to get some big promotion and things were supposed to fall into place and they didn't. I applied for a few chief roles and didn't get them. But when I looked back, and now I am a chief engineer, I actually have a bigger role than the one that I applied for. God shut those doors on purpose, to be honest. Uh, but I struggled during that period, if I'm honest with you, because I just thought I had made it. You know, this was, things were going to fall in place. And they didn't, but they didn't for a reason. And I think you have to keep your faith in that and trust God. Yeah, I can share. So um, I stayed on staff for four years and thought I was going to transition, got married. Um, and the director asked for another two-year commitment, and I was like, I was tired. Um, and so I did say in that 
that last year, I realized I needed to start transitioning. And so I was like, I love college students, I love higher education, and I started working at Ivy Tech Community College part-time as an admin. So as Chris said, when you go on staff, like you really do a lot. You, you are a leader, you're a pioneer, you gain a lot of transferable skills. And so to be an admin after that was like, ugh. Um, <laughs> nothing wrong with admin, but it was like, man, this is a downgrade. And so, but I just trusted the Lord in that. And um, my manager at the time, so this was the hardest thing and has been the hardest thing is working with people who don't value integrity and honesty and truth. Like you will work with these people all day every day. And so I was not prepared. Being on staff, you're with family. You know, you trust each other. There's accountability there. Um, and my boss at the time had no integrity. He actually, I won't say the foundation name, but there's a huge foundation in the city. We were grant funded. He was using that money to buy stuff for his friend. Like his friend had a bachelor party, so he bought a bus on that money. And as an admin, I started seeing these weird purchases. And these companies were calling me like, hey, we need our money because they had, you know, the invoices were um, not paid. So I had to confront my boss as an admin, and he brushed it off. I said, well, you need to pay this, like, by Friday. They didn't get paid, so I went to his supervisor. And there is where I started to see God's hand and what God loves and what he values and what he cares about. Because really, in essence, he was taking money from our students to live his best life. And, you know, by this time it gets to his boss um, and he quits. <laughs> and I was so mad, I was like, ah! <laughs> you, yeah. So he, he ran, right? And here I am in admin, and I was so upset because I'm like, this is not right, this is not fair, but it opened a door for me to be a director in his role. And I was able to be in that role. And so shedding light and bringing light. And I had a coworker, and he said, you know what? I'm glad you said something. Because I told him, I'm like, I'm a black woman in America. This is not going to land right. And he was like, I ain't doing it. Um, <laughs> and God was with me. But it was so hard. And he also um, was flirting with one of our staff. And I had met his wife. He had four kids. And I was just like, this is great. This is happens in corporate America. Um, it does, and everyone's shaking their heads, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And so, you cannot say nothing, that's what my core, that was a path he chose, um, or you can say something, and it might cost you something, right? But that's what God calls with us, that's what he cares about. Um, and I had a lot of sleepless nights, you know, going through that, and even now, um, you know, as Adrian saying, like, you're always at, you know, different uh, crossroads in your role. And in my role, I get the opportunity because I work under our HR team to advocate and have the hard conversations. We'll have managers come to me and say, oh, I want to hire this girl. She's so amazing. She's so great. And I want to hire her at, you know, let's just say $23 an hour. And I'll say, wait a second. Look at this girl who's been on your staff faithfully for eight years. You're going to offer her $5 more. This girl right here has been doing her job. She's been on time. She's leading in different capacities. We're not going to do that. Let's talk about either you making things equitable for this girl who's been there forever, or you come up with a different offer and we move on. Those are hard things. And she can tell me no. You know, this is our BPSA. She can totally be like, nope. 
I don't want to do that. But having those hard conversations challenging people, and there are people who probably don't love that, you know, about me. And that's okay, because I am, you know, working hard enough for the Lord. But there are there are a lot of um, hardship transitions. We had a CEO for 15 years. We just got a new CEO, so we're under a lot of change. We had three of our chief officers retire last year. One was my direct supervisor. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of hardship, and I constantly find myself like, what do you require of me in this role? What what do you require of me? Um, and and constantly pulling back and thinking about the things that God requires of me in the change and in the you know it's foggy right now for everybody um, involved. So yeah. So so this is twofold. You double click on both of them, but. Um, so you guys are believers, Christ is the center of your life, um, you got incredible jobs. So there's an aspect of you going out to the world and you're moving forth his kingdom. So I'd like an example, like, man, how are you seeing, like, God present opportunity for you to move forth his kingdom, God? It could be at church, your neighborhood, your coworkers. But then also something like, in the social world, like, I mean, your companies are changing the world in, in ways. So tell me an example of how you're making the world better, like, um, not just being a faithful, godly um, leader of it. So. <laughs> yeah, all right. No, yeah, no problem. Oh, yes, yeah, so. <laughs> um, I'll take the second question first. So. As you guys are probably keenly aware, you know, aerospace, we burn fossil based fuels today. So, uh, due to global warming, there's a lot of movement to become more either electric or use, you know, fuels that don't harm the atmosphere like hydrogen or sustainable aviation fuels. So, you know, Rolls Royce, as we just set the world speed record for an electric powered plane uh, this year. Um, so we have a big presence in electric powered planes, and then we actually just ran our first 100% uh, hydrogen engine over the UK. Uh, now, there's a lot more to do with that, trust me. <laughs> you know, uh, that was just a demonstration to see if it could work, uh, and it worked. Uh, but there's many years of stuff to do, but we are playing a big role in trying to make sure that uh, the planet for you guys and, and your, your children uh, it's sustainable and it's livable. Um, as far as the platform to advance, you know, Christ, I think, I think for me, it's it's probably through the mentorships that I have at work. Uh, I have roughly over 200 engineers uh, that report into me. Uh, some are in California, some are in Mississippi, Washington D.C. So it's a big group. But when I'm able to travel and I go to places, I'm big on mentoring people. And that's where I share my faith, to be honest, because uh, it gets a little dangerous to try to do it when you're a senior leader overtly, just the way the world is with the separation of freedom of state type thing, make sure that it doesn't. <laughs> the, the whole point is uh, when I get to know people, they sit down with me and ask me, what's my story, who I am? And we have a level of trust, that's exactly the perfect opportunity for me to share my faith, uh, you know, and who I am and, and the 
the fact is, without God's grace and His mercy, I would never be what I am today. And the prayers of my family, and grandparents, and mother, and all that, I have to be honest with you, without that, I'd be nowhere. Yeah, yeah um, so our credit union, um, we provide products, so loans, all of these car loans, at a lower rate than a bank would. So I know you're sitting here, all you chase, you know, powders, back away. <laughs> but we believe in building um, relationships with people. And I was sharing with um, Zen earlier, when I got out of college, I had no credit. So I got a car loan for 22% interest. I know. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I worked at a car, a car dealership. They sold me a car. I was like, oh my gosh, I have a car. And I was paying like hundreds of dollars a month as a college student. Um, and I, when I was on campus, a girl, her name is Tara. I still remember her name. She, we got on the subject and we were talking about car loans and all this stuff. And she said, um, well, how much interest are you paying? I was 22%. And she did what y'all just did. <gasps> yeah. And um, she got me in a loan, I think it was like 6%, which is crazy, you know, low. Um, now it's like normal. But anyway, it was super low. And then she explained to me how interest actually worked. And then I was so mad. I was like, I'm gonna write a letter to the people who stole me this car and did this to me. Um, but she taught me about interest. And that's what we get to do at a credit union, is we get to help people understand how interest works, how investments work, and those things. Um, in regards to how you know I, I get to um, share about Christ, it's very similar um, to Adrian. It's through building relationships, and when I was on staff, that's exactly what I did: was build relationships, and that's what I get to do at work um, and share, you know, grace to people. You know, being in HR, a lot of people come to us when they're sick, when they're hurting, when they've had a transition, and I have conversations sometimes. I'm like, Hey, I don't know what you believe. Can I pray with you? I have never met a person that has turned down prayer, ever. Our CEO recently, um, she was diagnosed with Guillain-Barr syndrome, which is basically like a paralysis. Um, and this just happened. She's not even been here a year. And she's in a rehab facility right now. So imagine walking into a new organization. I was diagnosed with lupus when I had, I have three kids, um, a seven-year-old and four-year-old twin boys. And when I had my daughter and I was on bed rest for about eight days and was not mobile for about three to six months. So chronic, chronic, and my body looks normal, but there are times where I can barely walk. And this was all, with lupus, your tissues are attacking your body. It thinks your tissues are foreign objects. And my, my CEO is going through that now. And I, was, I wrote a blog during that time. Um, and I sent that to her as encouragement, and it is all about trusting Jesus. It is all about looking to him. And my anger, I was so angry with God. I'm like, I was a college minister. I've been a Christian for this long. I thought I was gonna die. And that's, that has been where she has been. And so God is using something that I thought was such a hard time in my life to soften her heart. She had little kids, she's running an organization. So you just never know how God um, will use the, the hardship in your life. And so it's just looking for opportunities um, to build relationships and love people well. Uh, so in our industry, uh, we say everything shifts. So uh, 
in working for food shippers, we contract and hire out a lot of grocery store delivery guys. So I mean, we saw during the pandemic uh, just the empty shelves at grocery stores, and there were guys on our team who were taking pictures of empty shelves at grocery stores and sending them to people that we work for, saying, "Hey, your store's empty. We need help. We can we can get you a guy to get those groceries there." Uh, so that's one way we're helping feed people uh, by filling local food markets with groceries. Uh, also, right now, hopefully none of you guys are experiencing this, but if you get into any sort of car accident, uh, car insurance companies are just totaling things that normally would be repaired because the wait time to get typical parts is four to six months. So rather than saying, hey, we'll rent you a car for four to six months while we wait to repair your car, they're just saying, tell you what, we'll just give you 18 grand, your car's worth 18 grand, go get your car, because we can't, we can't get the parts. Um, we're helping kind of unsnarl that supply chain web. Um, as far as how do I talk about Jesus in the workplace or against the kingdom there, I would say that my office is half professional office environment, half trap house. <laughs> so this is how I dress to go to work, if that makes sense. You see how nice they are? I just show up like this, and I'm one of the dressier ones in the office. Our industry attracts young, ambitious, typical like uh, former athletes, people that are highly competitive. It's a commission-based industry. Um, so they, it attracts people that just want to get in there and be the best and grind. It is also an industry built on deception. Everybody assumes you're lying to them. Everybody assumes that you are trying to take advantage of them on all sides of the spectrum. Um, so when I showed up and I said, well, I really don't want to lie because I'm a Christian, people said, well, you're not going to make it here. Um, and at that moment, I was like, well, I'm going to have a lot of choices throughout my days of whether or not to lie or whether or not to tell the truth. And I found, and I think that I've exhibited for the people that I work with, that when you tell the truth, things turn out better. It might be harder, but things turn out better. Uh, there's a reason certain companies keep calling us back is because we treated them with integrity and respect. We treated them like they were humans rather than, uh, I mean, I talk to truck, truck drivers all day, and most truck drivers are foreigners that have come over here looking for opportunity, and it's really easy to be a truck driver. You don't have to be educated, you just got to get a CDL license and get on the road. Um, and a lot of people treat them poorly because they're foreigners and they don't understand America and they can barely speak English or whatever. Uh, I view each conversation I'm having as an opportunity to embrace their humanity, to treat them like a human. And I think that my aim has been, I want to be a breath of fresh air in the industry that everybody lies to each other. Um, and because I work in a half rat house, there's a lot of conversations that happen. People say it's like the two things you don't talk about are politics and religion. Not where I work. That's like all anybody talks about. It's their political opinion and religion. So uh, it was really easy for me to earn a reputation very quickly as, oh, Chris is the Christian guy. If you want to figure out something, you hear something in the media about Christians are like this, you ask him if that's true. Um, and I have to be on my toes all the time to say, like, I'm representing 
all of Christendom, all two point whatever billion people in the world that claim Jesus. I'm probably the only one in my office that's really a Christian. So they say, if he does it, that's what Christians are like. I gotta be careful all the time. But I also have a lot of opportunity to say, you know, especially in the commission-based industry, people are saying, well, I'm worried about the market doing this and this, whether or not I'm gonna be comfortable with this. And I get to say often, it's like, I'm worried too, but I trust that God's gonna provide. I'm not trusting that business is gonna be better, I'm not trusting that this is gonna happen, or we're gonna make X amount of money over here, blah, blah, blah. I'm just trusting that God's gonna provide for me and my family. And I know that he will because he's done it for the last 15 years. And that is a way for me to express hope to people that I believe have very little hope um, in my office. Hey, my solid y'all. Hey, give it up for them, y'all. We are gonna hang around. So um, if you would like to have a quick conversation with them, um, they'll be up front. Um, and we'll talk to them too long. Man. They got work to do, man, man. Change the world. Um, I will say this before y'all leave, before y'all leave, make sure that you got this right here. John Owen preaching about man, God taking, making things beautiful out of chaos. Like, the, the primary way that God did that was send his son from heaven down to earth and die on the cross for your sins. Um, the secondary way he did that by sending the Holy Spirit into those who trust in him. And then they go out and do agents of change in the world. Like, you hear the story, like, like, like Chris said, like, hey, man, because of where he's at, people, People know what truth is. Like, that's pretty incredible. It may seem small, but truth, like, that reflects God. You know, like, like man, Ash is saying, hey, man, she's fighting this discrimination. Like, because of, man, that's what, that's what Jesus wants, you know? A global warming. Man, it's, it's less because of people like, um, Andrew, like, like all of these things. The things in the world that are broken, all of the problems, man, if you get a hold of of the, the good news of Jesus Christ, it will transform your life, but also God will send you out to the world to transform the world, y'all. So um, from your neighborhood, to your family, to your attorney, from your athletic team, to the ends of the earth, uh, to tell people about this amazing Jesus, but to act like him everywhere you go. I'm gonna pray, um, and I thank y'all for coming, and check out the field front if you want to. Dear Heavenly Father, come here today. God, we thank you for being such an amazing God, an amazing Father who loves us, uh, who genuinely do love us, who keeps a relationship with us. God, that you sent everything that we need to, to have a relationship with you. God, I pray that those who don't have a relationship, I pray that they don't see you tonight. I pray that somebody talk to them. I pray that um, the staff and friends that continue to help them understand who you are, and those who are believers, God, I pray that they walk out of this room saying, hey man, I want to be like Christ, and I want to make the world a better place. And I want to be a leader who's willing to do whatever it takes to glorify my Father. And you know my Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at co.nyc.com.